This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Max Spitz. I'm hardly the first person to say this, but the modern news cycle is truly unending. Even the most casual of social media sites feels like it moves through yet another tragedy every hour or so. And while I myself greatly appreciate the access to information, I also recognize that it has many deficits. There's a loss of personal connection when the world's attention moves from event to event so quickly, and truly monumental events are forgotten about or sidelined by the ever-churning information. In this week's story, teller Carla Estela Rivera shares how one such tragic world event with deep personal ties coincided with a celebratory event in her professional life, and how this collision brought home for her what a better world might look like and who she might want to build it with. Recorded live at Haymarket Pub and Brewery in Chicago in January 2023, Second Story is proud to present My Island. September 20th, 2017 was a Monday. A sunny end of summer Chicago day that produces the most iconic views on my brown line commute. It was a good day to feel like a bad bitch going to her new job. In the weeks leading up to this day, I spent my time shedding the toxicity of my previous workplace, a shining example of the ugly parts of the nonprofit industrial complex. My naps were small declarations that I was over these places with missions that spoke to my heart but operated like the house of cards. Where the scarcity mindset was most abundantly reflected in my paycheck. Where words like family were weaponized as tools of mental fuckery. And how down for the cause you were was measured by your levels of exhaustion. After a summer of interviews, I was hired at a small, influential collective impact agency. And while it was still nonprofit, the executive um, recruiter called it special, sold it to me like a matchmaker pushing me to date after a nasty breakup saying, this one will treat you right. (laughs) I was about to do the kind of work I dreamed of doing and making more money than I had ever made in my entire life. Friends, September 20th, 2017 was supposed to be an unforgettable day, and it was. But for none of the reasons I imagined it would be. I was ready to level up, I was ready to be treated right, and I was physically there, but I wasn't present. How could I be when at the exact same time, Category 5, Hurricane Maria was making landfall in my birthplace of Puerto Rico? The elevator leading up to the fifth floor of the new gig pushed my nervous energy from my brain to the pit of my stomach, triggering my own experiences in these storms. When a hurricane is imminent, the air feels different. The pressure drops and makes you dizzy. The initial raindrops almost fall up, suspended in the air like tiny skydivers. Then the lights flicker until you lose power. The wind howls and the rain moves from a few taps to feeling like you're under attack by millions of glass marbles. The air becomes thick with the smell of earth. 
The smell of my welcome flowers filled my office as I flipped on the light switch, revealing the place where I would land for the next couple of years. I turn on the computer and pull up my calendar, already filled with a series of meetings with people with hefty titles and important roles in how Chicago runs systemically and politically. I thought to myself, dang, Chicago politics is a lot like a hurricane. You are never more aware of how everything around you can work with you or against you until you're in it. Irma had already done significant damage throughout the island. She had blown a tree right into the concrete fence at my cousin Sonia's house. As I got the final office tour, Sonia texted me, our house is, state is safe, but our door is weak. And if it blows away, so does our home. I suddenly become hyper aware of doors. The vault-like foot-thick door the company of the company storage unit the double doors of the office that require opening two locks to enter. By the time my first meeting started, Maria was well into her rage. Voices muffled in the background as I read one last text from Sonia. Aquí en Puerto Rico nadie va a dormir. Our cousins in Puerto Rico are some of the last close family we have on the island. And those connections, along with the landmarks that cradle decades of memories, are our cultural and emotional tethers. Losing them was unthinkable. These first meetings were filled with repetition. I introduced myself, talked about my background, and if you know me personally, you know within the first five minutes of meeting me that you will learn that I am a Puerto Rican. It is more than a heritage. It comes second to my humanity. Google me and tell me how long it takes for you to find out I'm Puerto Rican. I will come back Boricua in my next life. I talked about my background. I talked about my background. Ask me who inquired about how I might be doing. No one. And it was like that all day. My chest tightened, one hand still in disbelief that this was my job, and on the other hand shocked that not one single soul I interacted with had the consciousness to ask me how I might be doing. But I brushed it off, chalked it up to media neglect, but the storm was too big, too destructive for even the American press to ignore or minimize. At home, my husband and I watched all the footage we could find. Images of the aftermath were downright apocalyptic. Mass flooding, homes crushed, landscapes stripped of nature. The electrical grid and cell towers were destroyed, so we couldn't call anyone on the island to learn anything about the conditions of our loved ones. And we couldn't drive there because as the occupant of the White House at the time so eloquently stated, Puerto Rico is an island surrounded by water. Big water. We were emotional hostages sitting in a holding pattern with no idea whether we needed a plan to make care packages or funeral arrangements. Friends in the diaspora began to mobilize recovery efforts. And despite the toxicity of my former workplace, where Puerto Ricans were in the majority, I imagined everyone huddled together in shared grief. How they might have held each other, literally and emotionally. And for a moment, I wanted back in. Friends turned us onto the Zello app, which connected us with folks on the island that found rogue signals. We listened intently, attempting to grab any kind of update we could receive. 
People would take turns to discuss the status of communities and municipal offices. Others would call out the names of family members in the hopes that they would receive some kind of news. After seven days, I too joined the chorus. Estoy tratando de buscar información sobre nuestra familia en Gurabo. I repeated my message every few minutes as if taking my turn in a mass meditation. I did this every night from the moment I got out of work until I'd inevitably fall asleep with the phone in my hand. In the mornings, I would enter a deep makeup ritual to paint the tired out of my face and cute business casual cosplay because while there are likely moments where you could be a basket case in the workplace, my bet was that it shouldn't happen during your first few weeks. These feelings were especially amplified for me as a person of color entering a predominantly white-led organization. Can't ask for time off because I didn't want to be the unstable Latina. Can't show too much emotion because then I'd be the dramatic Latina. So I chugged my worries down with the endless supply of LaCroix in our office fridge <laughs> and homemade British Bake Off worthy goods our de development director would make. <laughs> they were good. As I poured through reports on the state of arts education in Chicago strewn across my desk, my ear remained tethered to anything that streamed news from Puerto Rico. On Zello sessions, I'd let out a sigh of relief when our family members weren't mentioned in the nightly list of fatalities. But I quickly learned how every major marker of my childhood had been lifted from the island and now resided as debris on the ocean floor. I too felt like I was floating on the ocean floor sunken as I move through everyday life, baffled by the clockwork rituals of everyone's day. How one colleague would shake his salad container precisely at noon, signaling the subsequent office lunch shuffle. The uninterrupted cadence of meetings, fun shirt Friday. Puerto Rico and Maria never came up in the office unless I brought it up. Oh yeah, so how's all that going? How do you answer that? Do they want the truth? Because I could give them the truth. And the truth is ugly and it's sad. And I'm angry because we were supposed to go to Puerto Rico in July. We were supposed to take our daughter to show her the island. I was supposed to take her to my island. Yes, my island. We were supposed to play on the beaches I grew up on so she could dig her feet in the sand as the waves hit her. We were supposed to eat fresh seafood caught that morning and frituras and laugh as her eyes widen at the intense sweetness of cola champagne. We were supposed to have ice cream at the Rex Cream in Mayagüez and visit the church where my mother and I once received the papal blessing during Christmas mass in the early 90s. We were supposed to pay our respects to my grandmother and clean her grave in the Maricao Cemetery. And we were supposed to go see our family in Gurabo who would tell stories of my husband as a little boy. And we still don't know or have a clue of where they are, how they are, or if they're even alive. That's what I want to say. And I wanted to call all their asses to the carpet and shake them for their cognitive dissonance. But I didn't say that. And I didn't do that because then I'd be the angry Latina. This special place that I was sold, with all of its brain power, its sexy data visualizations, and its snacks, <laughs> it had no heart. So saccharine questions get saccharine answers. Oh, well, you know, 
Haven't heard anything yet, but we're hopeful. Nearly a month after the beginning of this journey, I was slated to present at our annual all-partner meeting. As I prepared for my remarks, I leaned into the performer in me to compensate for my mental state. I did great. <laughs> and as I shared my hopes and policy goals for arts education in public schools, I also talked about my background. At the end, between smiles and introductions to new people, a woman I hadn't yet met grabbed my hands. They were cold in contrast to mine that always ran hot. De qué pueblo eres, she asked. Her voice sounded like home. We shared where our roots were. She asked if I had talked to anyone. My eyes told her everything she needed to know. Pronto, she said, before we were shuffled off to lunch. As I laid my plate down at an empty table, I sat in the cut, observing everyone as they laughed and talked. It should be a great day. It should feel like a win. Suddenly, my phone began to vibrate intensely. I pulled it from my pocket, and a series of messages came through. Carlita, estamos bien. It was our cousin, Sonia. She and the family were alive. During Maria, Sonia and her father held the front door of their home through six hours of 155 mile per hour winds. This kind of wind can easily flip a car. Had we not done that, I would be delivering very different news, she writes. Aside from a pile of trees in their driveway, their house was okay. I don't remember if I said anything to anyone. I didn't care. All I know is that my body instinctively got up and to find the most private place it could as the text continued to pour in. Things had been cleared just enough for them to go and search for food and find enough of a signal on the side of the road to send these messages. Ay, Sonia, qué emoción, qué alegría. Gracias por comunicarte conmigo. ¿Qué necesitas? As I pressed send, I took a deep breath. As I exhale, hot tears pour from my eyes. I wipe my face with the sleeves of my outfit that suddenly became itchy and uncomfortable. I look around and find myself in the last bathroom stall in the ladies' bathroom. I unlocked the door and slowly walked to the mirror, studying my watercolor painting of a face, working a cold, wet paper towel around my eyes. As my breathing settles, my mind shifts, still split in two. I'm on one side putting together a checklist of things I can put in a flat rate box to Puerto Rico. On the other, I realize that in this workplace that was supposed to be so special, I had no community. These were not my people. I walk through the hallway, back to my table, lunch untouched, and collected my things. I crawled into the car, I turned the key in the ignition and put the heat on high. I unhooked my bra and let the seat hug me as I watched the sunset. And for the first time, my commute was silent. This story was produced by RJ Silva and Ali Drum, curated by Jess Kadish, and directed by Elisa Vera Ramos, with music by Nathan Kistler and sound engineering by Yongwu. The Second Story podcast is produced by Max Spitz. Second Story is located in the traditional homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi nations. 
Our programming is made possible by the Arts Work Fund, Walter Foundation, MacArthur Fund for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, Paul M. Angel Family Foundation, Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, Illinois Arts Council Agency, the Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, Innovation 80, the Lupo Family, Eric Rothstein and Gina Wamek, Athene Karras and Thomas Applegate, James Lupo, Jessica Wetmore, Hannah and George Stowe, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Max Spitz, and this, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast.